So there were two little boys. One was named Billy and one was named John. Now John had just had a birthday and his parents used to decorate the house and they would put all the like the streamers on the wall and maybe they put little ribbons or something like that. Maybe they'll put some other stuff just kind of somewhere. But there was one decoration that both Billy and John loved the most. And I'm going to bring one out here real quick. I don't know if you guys know what this is. This is not just a balloon. This is a toy. If you guys have ever had a birthday party or something, there's balloons left over, there's a game that you like to play called either Keep It Off the Ground or Volleyball. Now, I love this game as well, but the Billy and John loved it a lot. The, their parents would be away or something like that. They'd be in another part of the room, and they would be playing, and they would be, one would hit it over here, the other person would try to hit it over there, and they would just play so much, and they would play all the time. they come up with different games, or maybe the different rules, like it couldn't touch the particular part of furniture or whatever it was. But there was something important that his their parents made sure to tell him, be careful in the living room. Because in the living room, there's a special like decorative plate. I don't know how many of you guys have decorative plates at home. Okay, so there's this decorative plate. I think it was on, uh, from one it was like on a shelf somewhere. And so, but Billy and John, you know, they're kids. They're going to be playing around. They're playing really hard. They're playing as best they can. They want to make sure that they win. Well, one time, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was probably John. He hit it really hard, and it hit that plate and it broke. Now, I don't know if you guys have ever broken anything of your parents. <laughs> it's scary. <laughs> so both of the both boys were just like, well, what do we do? What do we do? There's glass on the floor, and, and this, is, this is my mom's favorite plate. So they clean it all up the best that they could, and they threw it in the trash. They made sure they put some trash on top of that so they couldn't see that, and they made sure they did everything, and then they decided to go to their rooms and clean their rooms or whatever. <laughs> So about a week goes by, nothing happens. Two weeks go by, and the third week, mom notices something. Her plate's gone. And now if you guys know this, when mom finds something that's missing, they're going to ask you where it went. So my parents, or the parents decide to divide and conquer. <laughs> you may have heard of her. So <laughs> they ask John who broke the plate. She knows it was the kid. Well, it wasn't me. I didn't break the plate. Well, did Billy break the plate? I don't think so. Okay, so the father asked Billy, did you break the plate? No, I didn't break the plate. All right. Well, I guess there's no TV, no dessert. You can't play outside. You're just going to be sitting in your rooms doing nothing until someone says they did it. Uh, probably was about five minutes, and <laughs> whoever did it confessed that they broke the plate. Now, when you think about that story, there's a particular part of that story that's called lying. And sometimes when we lie, we kind of think to ourselves, 
maybe we shouldn't do it, but there's this part that we just don't want to tell the truth. So when we come to these moments in our lives where maybe I don't want to tell someone, there is someone who always knows, and it is God. But not only that, your parents know as well. <laughs> and I know that because my mom was very angry. <laughs> uh, so just when you think about these stories of, um, I'm going to kind of transition into my sermon here. Um, when I think about you know these these stories that we kind of tell each other, they're they're for like teaching a reason, kind of teaching us to do better things. So what I'm going to be kind of talking about, I want to kind of think about this picture right here and how serene and lovely those that those little waves and maybe they've gone to a lake and you kind of see this lake and it's so relaxing and it's so you know, it's kind of peaceful. And the thing I'm going to talk today about, which is kind of an interesting topic for me to talk about, is rest. Now, I am probably one of the least qualified persons to talk about rest, if those of you who know me. And I saw Mr. Weber sneak in the back, and I think he probably knows about rest, and he's probably very restful <laughs> when he's out in Alaska. But I just want to say this is an interesting topic. And I told someone I was going to talk about this. Um, they said, I'm pretty sure you're not supposed the one supposed to be talking about that. <laughs> but I decided to kind of talk about this because I know it's important for me to talk about it, to learn about it. But there's different kinds of rest. And actually, if you study the adult lessons, actually about rest. So this is not exactly from the lesson, but I kind of thought about it and thought it was an important topic to talk about. So before we get started, why don't we have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful Sabbath day. Thank you that we're all here. Lord, I ask that these words that I speak are not mine, but yours, and that this be your will in your name. Amen. So what we're going to do, if I remember correctly, is we're going to go to Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. So if you have your Bibles, please open that. And if you were there, just say amen. Matthew 11, verses 28 through 30. Matthew 11, verse 28 through 30. Okay. We all there? No? All right. I think most of the pages have stopped. All right, so I'm going to read here. So it's Matthew 11, 28 through 30. It says... Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. So kind of just breaking this down, uh, it's pretty straightforward, right? If we're tired from work, uh, we kind of ask God for rest. Now, I kind of want to ask this question. What kind of rest, when you think of rest, is your favorite kind of rest? Because there's different kinds. So I want to get some kind of people out here. What is the kind of favorite rest that you have? Is it sleeping, whatever it is? Anyone? Sleeping, okay, obviously, that's a good one. <laughs> All right, what about like after a test and you don't have anything to do? What kind of rest does that feel like? It's amazing. It's oh, unless you didn't do well, that's another different kind of story. <laughs> but 
sometimes we'd get through a test and just is finally over, and it's just like, oh, that relief. And I, and I kind of want to say this point because there's different kinds of rest. Um, but I want to think about this. If we are tired from the work that and God will give us rest, I want to kind of think about this. What does it seem, especially those who either work here, does it seem like rest doesn't seem to come? Like we go on vacation. I'm going to kind of give you an example for myself. I go on vacation, and I come back, I'm still tired. Or you kind of feel like, you know, we put in the time and effort, and we struggle, and we push, and when that vacation comes and goes, it's as if it didn't happen. I'm kind of speaking to some of the staff here, and they probably <laughs> are aware of this. <laughs> but I want, I want us to kind of come back here, and let's kind of talk about actual sleep. So, Because I want to... I wanna kind of talk about actual like sleeping because I think that's important for us as staff members especially myself to learn because I was writing this at like midnight last night so <laughs> uh, I'm trying to make sure I'm reminding myself of what good sleep is because it's very beneficial to us so um, just going to go through this list here I got this from uh, an article and I'll show you some of the other things so this is getting a good night's sleep what it does for you so sleep keeps your heart healthy sleep may help regulate blood sugar Sleep reduces stress. Sleep reduces inflammation. Sleep makes you more alert. Sleep improves your memory. Sleep may help you lose weight. Sleep helps your balance. Sleep helps executive function. And lastly, sleep helps the body repair itself. So we can really see that sleep is quite beneficial. Um, and these are some of the references that I got these from, from that article, just in case, because I'm not a doctor. I am not saying any of these things are right, but I'm saying these are coming from this, these, these things right here, okay? So, but I want to also talk about sleep deprivation, when you're lacking sleep, lacking rest. All right, so um, I'm going to try and read off some of these here. So this middle one right here, 50% higher risk for obesity if you get less than five hours of sleep nightly. Let me check. Oh, I didn't have my watch on last night. I think I probably got about five hours of sleep last night. <laughs> so <laughs> um, this one right here, three to five years of how much sleep deprivation can aid your brain. Uh, this one down here is pretty important. 48% inc uh, increase of developing heart disease. 48%. Um, let's see here. This one right here is actually pretty important. Uh, less active immuni immunity protectors called killer cells. So, and this other one right here, nearly three times risk of type 2 diabetes. Let's see if we can find another one here. 33% increase in risk of dementia. And there's actually a little list right here. You're at a greater list for depression, irritability, anxiety, forgetfulness, and fuzzy thinking. I got up this morning, I walked somewhere, I have no idea why I'm standing there. <laughs> I'm looking at this, and I'm kind of messing around. I'm like, what am I doing? What am I looking for? Oh, okay, okay. I pretty much walked to a couple rooms, and I'm just like, there's just these times where just like I'm not thinking correctly. But I want to kind of read this last part right here. Sleep deprivation can also affect your judgment so you don't notice its effects. This is from John Hopkins. Um, that's the uh, little uh, link right there. But think about all of these things. All these things when we are lacking different kinds of rest. So when you're lacking a different kind of rest, you will have different side effects of those. But you also have blessings as well when you get that kind of rest. So I want to kind of remember that part. 
as we go through here. So going into this, this verse again, if you still have it open, it's the same thing here. I want to kind of define some of these things that make us tired. So in verse 28, I'm just going to focus on this one part where it says, come to me all who labor. All right, so when you think of labor, what comes to mind? Probably some of these things, whether I think a lot of us were like this this week. A lot of us were like this this week. And I'm obviously there's a lot of parents who were like this this week. So now obviously I have the same thoughts, but I was kind of curious about what this is actually talking about. Because it's actually followed by a couple other things that we'll get to a little bit later that kind of put it out of place to what this was talking about. And so I looked this up in the SDA commentary. So it says, it is not a physical labor that Christ here speaks. He speaks rather of labor of soul and mind, which truly causes one to be burdened with care. This invitation would come with special force to the listening multitudes for the religion of Israel had degenerated into a meaningless round of labor in an attempt to find salvation by works. Now, I'd like to say that we shouldn't find ourselves in this situation, but there's always caution when it comes to this. I always kind of see these things and kind of think to myself, there is a modern version of this. There's a modern style of what this is could be kind of potentially calling to us. We've all have had times where we put ourselves in places of compromise, where it looks as if our labor doesn't seem to match the results we anticipate. And there is a real struggle when we face when we seek results of our own labor. There may even be a real danger to this way of thinking, almost selfish. Because not that God won't give us rest when we need it, but we also have to rest from our stresses as well. Our mind, our cares, our works, all of them. Maybe we can kind of put this in a little bit more of a different perspective. Um, let's all look up um, Luke 15, 11 through 32. This is the story of the prodigal son. And I would like, if we have some of our young students who are back, trying to get their brains back working again, if someone, one of our students, could please read um, a couple verses and then I'll kind of stop and kind of talk about it. Go ahead. Up right there. So we've all heard this story. We all know what is going on in this story. Someone decided to leave, and we kind of know the analogy what this is. Someone was with God, decided, you know what? God has blessed me. I'm going to feel a little bit selfish today. And I'm going to go out 
and do what I want now. All right, so why don't we have someone else pick up where we left off? I think it was verse 17. Someone like to read verse 17? Go ahead. We'll stop right there. So he finally realizes that he has done a wrong. And some of us have gone through this in our lives where we have fallen and we feel that we need to go back to God. This is true for, I think, most of us and probably why some of us are sitting here today. But as we kind of go through here, I want you to kind of notice this next part. Um, that we're going to talk about. So does anyone want to re continue reading verse 22? Anybody? Go ahead. stop right there for a second. So this older brother is actually quite interesting. And we talked about earlier about some of us who kind of feel we've put our entire lives into something. And we feel like it seems like nothing's really going well for us. And really think about that. I'm going to read these last few verses. It says, but as soon as this son of yours came, who has devoured your livelihood with lust, you killed the fetid calf for him. The last two verses. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and that I, I have is all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad, for your brother was dead and alive again, and was lost and is found. The story of the brother is someone I think really relates to the labor from Matthew. He focused so much on the work and got blinded by his work. And he labored in his mind on what he thought was unfair to him. How often do we feel like that older one? We wrestle with the idea of doing all this work, yet I feel tired and I need rest. He wanted to celebrate. 
Jesus is saying, come and join the fruit of my blessing. Don't focus on what you did or have to do. Focus on what I have in store for you and your spiritual family. I believe that this is kind of a sort of modern version of us that are labored, working so hard that we may not see the true blessing, may even be a little selfish or proud that we did something by ourselves. And just to see where this really comes into context, I want to go back to those few verses I was talking about, what, what Jesus is really talking about here. So this is in Matthew 11, verse 23. I want you guys to kind of see this, this context of all this. So it's Matthew 11, verse 23. So let's just go back to where you were. Now, if you think about those verses that are after, this may seem kind of a, a stark contrast to what he was talking about before. So, it says, in Matthew 11, verse 23, it says, And you, Capernaum, who are exalted to heaven, will be brought down to Hades, for if the mighty works which were done in you had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. So, these verses are coming before Jesus talks about this rest that we are talking about. He is rebuking the cities who are proud, and we're hearing a word, yet rejecting God's true path. Luckily, what we have kind of talk about here is that there's a problem, but Jesus offers a solution. But I wanted you guys to kind of make sure we understand. Uh, so I looked this up from, I was actually kind of surprised, because again, I was seeing this weird contrast that was kind of coming before and then this. So when I was talking about Capernaum, and there's a couple other cities that have a different other things that have problems with so the language here used of Capernaum is very similar to that is used of Lucifer. And this one part where it says exalted unto heaven, this clause may be translated alternatively as a question, will you be exalted in heaven? Capernaum, Capernaum seems to have been proud of its position and power as the chief Jewish city of Galilee. So we see here the true correlation here. Jesus states the issue, then offers a solution in verses 28 and verse 30. But not only that, for those who, like I talked about, in sleep deprivation, they may not have known. And I think it makes sense to see that the labor definition, at least for us in modern times, may be too proud to ask for help or to follow. And you can kind of become tiring when you're trying to do things by yourself. So I want to go kind of back here, if you still have it, and kind of talk about the heavy laden part. Um, do you guys know what heavy laden is? Uh, anyone want to kind of give an example of what that's like? It's lots of problems. It's just there's just so much putting on you. There's so many things that are going on in your life that it's almost unbearable again, kind of like this picture here where it's just like you have to do something, you have to keep on moving, but this, all these things are on you, trying to get you, and imagine trying to sleep with that box on you. You're not going to get a very good night's rest. But again, I want to kind of understand exactly what's happening in this context here. It says, this is from, again, from the Bible commentary, it says, all mankind bear many heavy burdens, the heaviest which is sin. However, in addition to the usual burdens borne in common by all humanity, the scribes and Pharisees had bound many other heavy burdens on the backs of the Jewish people, burdens uh, grievous to be borne. 
the people were heavy laden with so many rabbinical requirements that the entire lifetime was ordinarily too short to learn them all. Instead of giving rest of soul to those who were already bore a heavy burden of sin, these requirements serve only to crush out of the people any spark of life and hope that might remain. The people who sought to be conscientious groaned beneath the burden, while many, the publicans and sinners, gave up hope completely. The latter were outside the pale of religious respectability and no longer made a profession of religion. These unfortunate and discouraging results were very ills Jesus came to alleviate. So we see this part, and we kind of see this first part that we're talking about as far as the labor. We kind of understood that was kind of a selfish, what he was talking about being selfish. But this part right here kind of talks about the struggle of everyone else. Kind of, this is you, and here's who suffers. You are being selfish, and the people that, when you are selfish, are also now being burdened. So I have a story here. Um, It's a mission story. It's actually from the children's um, missionary program. Um, It's it's an interesting story, and it kind of relates to some of our students who may be coming here and kind of seeing what they might be coming through when they come here. So the the first day of school was hard for Nyang, really, and I was going to say really, really hard. The nine-year-old girl had arrived to the United States only a month earlier from her homeland in Myanmar. Her parents were refugees, she didn't know English, and she didn't have any friends. Making matters worse, the school year had begun long ago, and her first day of school was in November. So someone came up to her and said, hello, what's your name? And all she could do was shake her head, no. So the girl said, oh, obviously confused, and where are you from? Again, she shook her head, no. Later, a boy came up to her and said, hi, what's your name? Again, she said, no. Because she didn't, and obviously the boy didn't say, where are you from? So again, shaking her head, no. She wasn't trying to be rude. She just didn't understand what the children were asking because she didn't know English. She sat quietly all morning in the morning classes. At lunchtime, she followed the other children to the cafeteria. The 25 fourth graders always sat together at their assigned tables. And the teacher wanted to make sure they all well behaved. So Nyong looked at the food being served in the cafeteria nacho cheese. This isn't an Adventist school. I just want to make sure <laughs> we're clear on this. So there's nacho cheese, shredded beef, mini pizzas, and chicken nuggets. Now to some of us, that would be, that sounds pretty good. But the food was very strange to her. She was used to eating mustard leaves, potato leaves, watercress, brown beans, and orange lentils. After tasting the strange food, she returned to her classroom and sat quietly until the school ended for the day at home, and she prayed to God for help. She said, Dear God, please help me survive another day of school. She said, Help me not to get in trouble with the teacher. Keep me safe as I walk to school. Amen. Many things at the school confused her. She didn't know where anything was, and she couldn't ask for directions because she couldn't speak English. When the teacher gave her multiple choice tests, she didn't know what to do. She couldn't understand the questions, and she didn't know how to fill out the answers. She just randomly circled answers. And sometimes the teacher got angry. Several children would start talking at the same time, and the noise grew loud in the classroom, and the teacher didn't like it. She said, be, she kind of just shouted, no, be quiet. The children would be quiet for a little bit, but then, then the talking would start to go, and then she would just keep yelling to try and get everyone to be quiet. 
the one time this happened, and while they were talking, the teacher could not take it anymore. So she said, everyone is on silent lunch except for Meow. The classroom would get really quiet. The punishment meant that no one could talk during lunch in the cafeteria except for her. Meow realized that the teacher was being nice to her because she never spoke in class. She decided that it would be better to keep quiet at all times than to be yelled at by her teacher. At home, she anxiously prayed every day, Dear God, please help me. Survive another day of school. Help me not to get in trouble with the teacher and keep me safe as I walk to school. Fourth, gr fourth grade was tough for Neong, but fifth grade was better. She knew her way around the school, so she didn't have to ask for directions. She began to speak English and to make friends. What's your name? What's wh what is your name? A girl asked, and my name is Neong, she replied with a shy smile. She understood the question. Oh, where are you from? The girl said, I am from Burma which is also called Myanmar. The girl nodded her head, and she, uh, she had heard of the country. Several other refugee children from Myanmar also studied at their school. Oh, so she asked, so do you want to play? And, and uh, Myanmar felt very happy. She was beginning to feel like she fit in. She felt even happier in seventh grade. She was able to transfer from a public school to a Seventh-day Adventist school, thanks to money from a, Sabbath, a 13th Sabbath offering. She was glad to be able to study with kind teachers who never yelled. She thanked God with her daily prayers. Dear God, thank you so much for helping me learn this new language and for taking care of me and for helping me overcome struggles little by little. Many times our students are overburdened with things to do. In particular, our experience, there is something, sometimes a language barrier. But there is so much more going on that their focus on God's message makes them restless and spiritually tired. So when we see this kind of modern look at ourselves, the others, these are that's the problem that we face. So I kind of want to think, so how do we kind of get this rest that God is talking about? How do we get, you know, to a point where there's balance? Because obviously there has to be a solution. So obviously we have to kind of define what that rest is back in Matthew 11, verse 28. So it goes, I'll read it in verse 20. It says, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest in your soul. So obviously, we've defined all these other things, so we obviously need to define what rest actually is. So it's not talking about going to sleep, though as many of us would love to go to sleep right now, especially me right now. <laughs> but I want you guys to kind of understand what this is kind of talking about. I'm not going to say any of those words, so, but we'll see the ones that I can. Intermission, cessation, rest, respite, recreation. That word is a word is commonly used in the whatever that is to refer to the rest of the Sabbath. So this is a different kind of rest than we're talking about here. And it's kind of strange. I mean, we kind of see that word and we kind of get that picture of, of sleeping or resting or getting away from everything. So this Sabbath rest... Uh, also, just kind of thinking about it, if you're just kind of thinking this is just for myself to relax, again, this puts you in this position of having that selfish outlook if you're just thinking about yourself. But I want you to kind of think about this. This Sabbath rest, I want you to kind of see um, what this really stands for. I thought I had it here. Maybe I didn't. Maybe it's up there. Oh, so, again, talking about this, obviously talking about Sabbath rest, so why don't we kind of go and look at some Sabbath examples of what the Sabbath rest is talking about, because we obviously know. So I have it up here on the screen. So this is Genesis 2, verses 2 to 3. 
By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work creating that he had done. So I actually heard someone kind of talk about this and kind of inspired me. When you see that word rested, it's kind of meaning, um, I kind of want to ask this question, does God ever get tired? No, so I want to kind of see, maybe kind of put this in perspective. Have you ever heard of when a lawyer kind of rests their case? So they've gone through everything, they've done all the work, and they finally rest their case and say, it is over, this is what I have done, and now it's over. I want you to kind of think about that when you're talking, when we're talking about this. And then going to Exodus, this is from the Ten Commandments, says, Remem- remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day of the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall do not do any work, neither you nor your son or your daughter nor your male or female servant or your animals or any foreign residing in your town. So, this Sabbath wants us not to look at the labor, like we talked about before, and the things that we burden ourselves with. But there's more to us than that. Going back to this definition of rest, it refers to a temporary cessation of labor, not to, not to permanent inactivity. Those who come to Christ do not cease to work, but instead of laboring for the meat which has per- perished and become utterly weary in the attempt, they labor for what for that meat which endureth unto everlasting life. Those who think they can earn salvation by going about with heavy burdens, grievous to be born, are mournfully ignorant of the fact that Christ's yoke is easy and his burden is light. I kind of see what God is talking about here. We need to give it all to him. All these burdens that we have. When we think about this Sabbath, what do we focus on on Sabbath? We focus on God. Not you, not your friends, just God, laying all your burdens on him. Sabbath rest can be any time. God gave us the Sabbath as a time to remember we can rely on him. So back to these problems. We have our selfish self and the burdens of others. Now I've kind of talked about this before. And I want you to kind of go with me to a story, to John 4, verse 31 through 32. I want you to think, this is the story of the woman at the well. In the meantime, his disciples urged him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to which, sorry, I have food to eat of which you do not know. You've heard this story before. You kind of think about this. Jesus was in the... We kind of noticed that Jesus was tired and was hungry, and the woman was very heavy laden. She had a lot of things going on. She couldn't focus on her relationship with God because she was thinking about the problems that she had. While Jesus is also here, he's also very tired and weary. He just traveled. He did a lot of ministry. All these things are in this story. I want you to kind of think about this. They talked about God and what God could do for her. Jesus was fed and the woman was given rest and became a missionary. Now this comes to us and we kind of have a golden opportunity. We've been talking uh, in some of our staff meetings and we've been talking about what evangelism is and what we're going to do. But we have to understand that some of us 
may be tired and heavy laden and burdened. But I want you to understand something. When we give everything to God, we can do amazing things, not on our own behalf, but on God's behalf. And I want to kind of think about what Satan is doing. And I'll give you a few examples. So last week, uh, Dean Chris was actually preaching. And I don't know what it was. He was talking about Revelation. And I've, I've been on that computer back there for about two years, and I've never really seen this happen when he was talking about Revelation, something that you would talk about in uh, a seminar or evangelism seminar. It just seemed like his slides didn't want to go through. Nothing was working. It was like lagging, which is weird because it's not supposed to lag. He was trying to get through the slides and something happened and I couldn't really understand it. It was very bizarre because we had meetings the next week, nothing was wrong. We had meetings the week before, nothing was wrong. But when he was talking about revelation, Satan was not happy. We think about what we want to do and the people who are there for us when it's time to come for Sabbath. Pastor Tim is not here. I found out on Wednesday that I would be preaching today. And he was going to be preaching about Revelation today. We want to do mission, but we have to understand God provides for us to understand and to really realize that we need to be resting in him. The things that we have in our minds, the things that we have to do, things that we're thinking about tomorrow or tonight, in my case, of preparing for tomorrow, I have to give it all to him. I can't let it be on my shoulders to do by myself. I think about how we got here today. It was Pastor Kim, Miss Flora, all working together. She's also not here. We were working all day yesterday trying to make sure everyone knew what was going on. We had the, the songs all planned out. Satan did everything he could to make sure that did not happen today. But he provided because we gave it up to him. So when I think about the position that we are to do something great, we must be careful of the ideas that we come up with ourselves because then we become like that first part or that second part where we're just kind of burdening other people with our own ideas. They have to be God's ideas. I want to kind of give example. I, uh, if you've never heard of this pastor, right, and you want to hear some of the sermons, I want to give them to you. Um, so the story that I'm going to tell, so he has a meeting with his church, with some of the church leaders, and he invites them over to his house to have a campfire. And it's kind of like a planning session where they're going to decide what they're going to do for the following year or what plans. So he invites them there and he says, you know, he, it's kind of in a wooded area around his house. So he says, I want you to go out into the woods, just find, find a quiet place, and pray for a plan that God is going to give to you. I don't care how long it takes. I just want you to go out there and be inspired by God's will to do something. So they go out there, and they have little papers with them, and he thought it maybe be an hour or half an hour or whatever. They come back in about five minutes, and they come to the, the fire pit, and they decide to write down, they start sharing all these things. So there's about three or four different things and one of them was to repave the parking lot another one was to make sure the church started on time and ended on time and a couple other things so Pastor Goya takes those papers and he throws them in the fire and obviously they're confused you threw out our ideas and he said you're right they're your ideas they're not God's ideas 
God's ideas are bigger than the ones that you can come up with. So he tells them, go out and really try. Listen for God's voice and hear that inspiration that he has for you. So they go out again, and probably about an hour later, they start coming back. They're all quiet, and they just kind of sit, and they wait till everyone comes back. And so, obviously, the pastor says, okay, so what ideas do you have for us? And they start sharing these big ideas. We want a TV station at our church. We want uh, a radio station for our church. We want to go out and and give out literature to everyone. Pastor goes, oh, that's crazy. Let's just focus on one. And obviously they're confused, but you said God wanted us to do these. Well, I understand, but I want you to kind of focus on these things. So after that's done, they go home. So maybe about a month or a week or later, something like that, Pastor Goy is at a conference, and um, he's kind of preaching or whatever at that conference, and he goes back to his room, and he drops his phone. And according to me, he never breaks his phone, whatever that means. I've broken about two phones in my entire life, and I'm only 26 years old. So, but he says he's never really broken anything, and he broke his phone. And so, he, you know, he calls his wife on another phone, just kind of let him know. And, and when he's done talking to his 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 wife, his phone starts ringing. Now, this phone, as far as he understands, is dead. He can't, he couldn't turn it on or whatever. But his phone just starts to ring. Now, this is a true story. I want you to understand that someone called him that same that same day, and they, that like I said, my phone was ringing. This person called him. Hey, we have this TV station. We want to play uh, some Christian um, sermons on like a Sunday or whatever. And uh, we went to all these other churches. They didn't have what we want, but we saw some of yours online. We said we want to use your church all for free. You don't have to pay anything. You'll be reaching probably about sixty thousand people. Well, that's yeah, sure, awesome, yeah, let's do it. So then. You know, then he, you know, goes and he's going to try and call his wife, but his phone is now dead. He tries turning on, nothing's happening. Then maybe two minutes later, his phone's ring again. And there's this person, Pastor, I'm from another church, um, and I had this passion. I wanted to start uh, a radio station, and but my church, they, they just can't do anything, so I want to give this money to you to for your church to start uh, a radio station. You guys can do whatever programs you want, but I want to make sure that this money goes to having a radio station. And you can reach probably another 60,000 people. So like, well, that's fantastic. That's great. So then he closes his phone. Maybe he tries to call his wife and his phone is dead. He can't turn on. Nothing's happening. And he just couldn't get it started. Again, his phone rings. Again, he didn't have it on. And this person calls. It's from the conference. And he says, Hey, we're coming up with this idea of this. Uh, we have this academy. We want the academy to kind of do some, you know, handing out literature for evangelism. And we want your church to kind of be like this center point where we can kind of go out and gather. And, you know, all the academy kids are going to do all the work for you. No charge. Just doing everything for you. That's fantastic. That's great. The phone, as soon as the calls ended, the phone never worked again. So he goes back to his church and he tells this story. And he had to apologize because he was selfish. He didn't let God provide. He had to let his phone break and God pretty much show him his face. I've got this. There are times when we are selfish and we think our ideas are best. Sometimes in good intentions. 
but we must give it all, and th only then can we rest. I have another story. I have Goody on if you want to grab um, that bag over there. So what I'd kind of like to talk about in kind of give a little demonstrations, what I kind we talked about in the children's story, we kind of talked about lies. And sometimes we kind of lie to ourselves, saying, I can do this by myself. And you kind of have that lie. This is this lie right here. And we speak to these lies. And we, when we say something, I'm going to do this by myself, we kind of blow a little bit in the lie. <laughs> All right, so that's that lie right there. Then someone asks, hey, can you help me do this or whatever? Sure, why not? And we, we really can't. So you kind of add another lie. Or maybe you could say this is kind of a lie when with your parents. Maybe you broke a plate. Again, like I said, that story was about me and my brother. And we kind of lie and we just kind of, sometimes these lies, we, they, they kind of get in there. And sometimes the lies are so big, they get away. I meant for that to happen, just so you know. But I want you guys to understand that sometimes we seal those lies. So I can, I can blow up that balloon. I can add more lies to that. But sometimes we just kind of have a lie, and we try to keep it up in the air. Someone asks us, so they kind of ask if you're doing all right. And like, yeah, I'm okay. I'm doing fine. No worries. I only got three hours of sleep last night. I'm good. No worries. No worries at all. I didn't eat breakfast this morning, but that's okay. I'll be okay. So we keep those lies, and we constantly live with this lie in our lives. We kind of make it a part of who we are. But sometimes we're heavy laden with all these things, and we then we got to try and balance all these. I want to try my best. It's kind of hard. And you try to keep those lies up, and you do what you can to keep those lies up. And then you get more, more lies to yourself, and we try and focus on ourselves. I don't know if I can do this. So we're going to try and get them all up here, and you're going to try. I've had a lot of practice, as you know. Ah, darn it. And so, but like I said, you have all these lies, and you have all these things, and you kind of think to yourself, you know, how, how can I deal with this? How can I get through with these lies and get rid of them? And I have to think about this, and I have to think about what do we do? I want you to kind of think about something. If you have a lie and you give it to God, can I fill that balloon up again? Why not? It's broken. I mean, I'm sure there's someone who would like to try and fill that up, but honestly, no, it's just broken half, so no. I want you to understand something. When you give everything to him, and I mean everything, the things that you give up to him, the things that you taken off your back, the things that you're trying to juggle in your life, if you give them up to him, and we, th we talk about the woman at the well, and you think about you know, what we can do, what things that we want to outreach to, the people that we want to meet, we have to make sure we're doing it on God's terms, not our own, because then we become selfish, and the lies start again. We have to give everything to him, our burdens, the things that we struggle with. When you come here on Sabbath, and we, we hear all the troubles that we all have, because we, sometimes we go to you know, potluck, and unfortunately, sometimes it becomes kind of all of our problems come out at that point. 
and we talk about our week, and we talk about next week, and we talk about next month, and we talk about everything else, but are we talking about what God can do with those things? Giving them up to them. You think about our students who will be inundated with so many things the next couple weeks. You have to think to yourself, what are they going through? I've been a student here. I remember when I was younger, and I think probably only a few more staff members know who I was when I was younger. When I was a freshman here, I didn't speak very much, if at all. I was kind of like that girl. I knew English, though, so that's that was a blessing. <laughs> but there's this part of you that's just like you're very, you're not sure what you're going to do, and you're very cautious. But what I did learn from that is that I, I have a pretty good understanding of how to listen to someone. There are often times I have people who come to me, not that I ask them to come to me, and they kind of just talk, talk for hours. And honestly, I enjoy it. I really do like listening. And sometimes when I was younger, I honestly like sitting kind of like in like, uh, like during a potluck and just kind of listening to all the different conversations going on. I'm not eavesdropping. It's just I kind of hear these weird conversations that go on, and they're kind of funny sometimes. But it's just kind of one of those things where you kind of realize we all kind of have a selfish side to us. And Satan wants us to realize that we like ourselves. But we have to understand, when Jesus was in the wilderness, and he's coming down with his disciples, and he's very tired, and he just he doesn't have anything to get the water out of the well, and he sees this woman, he's just like, I mean, he could just say, hey, give me some water and just let her go. But he decided not to. Because he wanted to make sure God was a part of the conversation. And in that, through no coaxing, he didn't say, go tell everyone. She just kind of just went. Through God's plan, not hers. If she had if she was thinking about all the things that was on her heart, she probably said, oh, well, maybe this person will judge me. Maybe this person won't like who I am. But what she realized was it didn't matter because God loved her. All the things that you're going to go through the next few weeks, I want you to kind of think about this. Do you seek the rest that, that, that the world defines? Or do you seek God's rest? I want to kind of read this quote. We actually talked about this in some of our our meetings this week. This is from the Book of Education. The burden of labor for these needy ones in a rough place, in the rough place of the earth, Christ lays upon those who can feel for the ignorant and for such as are out of the way. He will be present to help those whose hearts are susceptible to pity, though their hands may be rough and unskilled. He will work through those who can see mercy and misery and gain and loss. When the light of the world passes by, Privilege will be discerned in hardship, order in confusion, success in apparent failure. Calamities will be seen as disguised blessings, woes and mercies. Labors from the common people sharing the sorrows of their fellow men as their masters share the sorrows of the, human, the whole human race will by faith see him working with them. Again, I ask, do you seek the rest definition of the world? Or do you seek a rest in someone who died for you? I want you to kind of think about this. When you, you pray, often we pray for ourselves. As far as I am understanding, this is the only time Christ prayed for himself. And I want you to realize 
what he said. Father, if it is your will, take this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. He talked to his father, said, God, I am, I am burdened, and I wish I could get rid of this, but if it's not my will, it's okay. It's your will. This is what we need to discern for ourselves. Do we want to trust God in our lives? Or do we want to just keep filling up balloons and lies and the burdens? Or do we want to give it up to him in all that we do? And some of you may say, well, I can't do that. I want you to listen to the last verses of the song that we're going to sing. Or these verses of the, the closing hymn. You guys can come up here. I want you to think about the power of God in your life. The last song that we're going to sing, and I'll, I'll pray afterwards, is Redeemed. And think about what God can do for you. If you will stand as we sing. just a little bit part of it, but everything. Because he wants to use every part of your being to be a blessing to others. To go to that student who's having a hard time and say, I can help you because I have rest. And I want to give you rest. And in that inspiration comes to a point where the person that is being helped and given rest, where they say, just like the woman at the well, this man knows everything I have done and I am forgiven. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, 
Thank you for this wonderful Sabbath day. Thank you for this time that we can come together and worship you. Lord, I ask if there's any burdens on our hearts, any things that we labor with, Lord, we want to give them all to you. And take them from us so that we may be able to do your will, not our own. Lord, bless us and keep us safe in your holy name. Amen. Thank you.